When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to PPG Paints Arena. A pair of geniuses over He's there. Danny Shirey. I'm Dan Kovacevich. We're a pair of geniuses from DK Pittsburgh Sports. And the Penguins beat the Rangers 3-2 to two in overtime here at PPG Paints Arena. First of three meetings. And, and Danny, I know that's your focus today because it might be the first of many meetings. Yeah, I, so they obviously have two games coming up here in New York in Madison Square Garden and it might be just end up deciding some the standings oh, here at the end of the season the right? biggest games of the year and and not just because they're the most recent ones in a tight race there's just something you walked in here and felt it today. yeah it, it, there's been times especially you know around january where you kind of came to the rank and it just didn't have uh, that same yeah. energy that tuesday night against the senators <laughs> yeah but you got here today, you saw, you saw a fair share of Rangers fans waltzing around wearing those Abana Jad jerseys. And there's, it just had a different energy. It had a different feel to it. And I think it's because everybody knew there was, there was a certain gravity to this game. And it, because, like we just mentioned, it's also setting up here the, next, the games two and three that we're going to have here later this week. Yeah. And by the way, they're both at the Garden. If you haven't looked ahead on your schedule, Thursday and Sunday, kind of like COVID-type scheduling. Yeah. I love it. I love the whole thing. The fact that these teams, I mean, they hated each other to begin with. Okay. There's no love lost. If this was a preseason game, they'd be going at each other. However, to have it get as ugly as it did after the Trocheck hit uh, on, on Gino, and then to have everybody respond as emotionally and at the same time controlled as the Penguins did, and then to play them again twice in their building, <laughs> you were up there for game seven. You know what that's like. Yeah. And, Part of me wants to sit here and say that they want to. They've got like unfinished business with these guys. I don't even know that that's so much no, the no, case. No, no, it's no. just it's a new season. It, it is a new season. Just hate them. And the, the guys the guys will even tell you like this is a, we've got new players on here. That that was last season. But <laughs> I, I think there's there's still something here between these two teams, and I I think we're in for a treat here mm -hmm. come next weekend. Yeah, no question. Uh, here's how this works: if you're watching us on YouTube Live. Uh, or on Facebook, you can leave a question. You can also do it if you're watching us on Twitch. Yeah, we're on Twitch because we're actually exactly <laughs> that cool. Uh, Cody says, what's up with the refs letting egregious Rangers penalties go uncalled that lead to the Penguins getting scored on? Well, you don't need to generalize that. I mean, it was one it was one sequence, and it was grossly egregious. It was. I, I'll general, generalize it, though, and say that's just – NHL officiating in another. Yeah, but, not, but it's not favoring the Rangers no, no. any more than the refs were favoring the Penguins when they got 100 power plays in the first period. Right. I, I would agree with that. I, I'm not saying that the refs are out to get the Penguins or that they've, they're in bed with the Rangers when it comes to these two teams playing or whatever, but I, I just think it was a microcosm of, of what we see from NHL officiating and as on a larger scale. Yeah, I mean, to stop with the – they're in favor of this team or they're in favor of that team. Because you know what? That's when you sound like the fan bases of the 31 other teams in the NHL who say that all the time about Pittsburgh. And actually, Pittsburgh gets that accusation probably more than anybody. 
over yeah, the years. Well, winning back-to-back cups multiple times probably yeah, comes they, with that territory. Yeah, they, I think they get a little bit sick of that. Uh, Austin says, does Tristan Jari look hurt to you guys? Looked fine to me and playing better. I'd say he doesn't look hurt, but he doesn't look comfortable at times. That is the best way to word that. Like, because I, yeah. I wake up every morning and I, I have something that I could probably deem as, as hurt. But really, it's just more like a discomfort in my hip from sleeping on my side all night kind of thing. And I think that's maybe what we're looking at here with Jar. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I, I think you're looking at a situation where he's still coming back from whatever it was. And he's still being cautious because the last time he came back, uh, it didn't work out. And, you know, I... Man, am I talk, tired of talking about Jari's health? Just play. You know? It's important, though. <laughs> no, 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 I get that. But I'm talking about it from his own standpoint. Just just stop it, you know? Just just play, you know? Jay says, great play slash hustle by Malkin in the corner to draw the penalty. Boy, I hope that gets remembered. You know? Because oh, he no, went no, in there. No, you know it's going to get remembered. But that he took a penalty earlier. That he took the penalty earlier. Yeah, and that, that ended up costing the Penguins. But at the same time, and this one, for anybody who doesn't know what Jay's referencing, uh, Gino went back into this corner over here, and there were two Rangers there because possession is everything in overtime, and he just wanted it more than they did. He comes out of there, Panarin can't help himself, puts his stick into Gino's shin or ankle or whatever it was, and Gino went, oh, no. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Uh, huge part. And I also like the fact that the Penguins from there called a timeout, uh, which Latang confirmed was done uh, by the coaches. It wasn't done for any strategic thing. They don't need <laughs> strategy on their power play. And it ended up working out really well. Those guys went out there fresh, felt great, scored the winner here. Let's go with uh, Alex here. Alex says... Both power play goals were either direct or indirect results of shots from the point. How critical is it to continue getting shots from the point? I don't think it's critical to continue getting shots from the point because we've got an abundance of evidence that shows point shots are nothing to write home about. That being said, the value in them is the threat or perception that you can do it, right? Like the the Penguin, if you want to go look at what – hammering point shots will do for your power play. Go look at how the Canadians power play performed with Jeff Petrie and, and Shea Weber on That's it. For you. That was all they That's did. All they and did. the power play was Just... terrible. Why? Because point shots stink. However, even if, Shea Weber, even if you have, if, if you do have a threat or, or pose yourself as a threat to take advantage of those point shots at given times, that in turn is going to open up opportunities for you deeper in the zone in the high danger areas. But I do not, under any circumstance, think that the Penguins need more point shots on their power. Yeah, however, you know, I guess it depends on the caliber and the positioning of it. That That's the part that really kind of leaps out to me here. Now, power plays are different. Four-on-three power plays are very different, yes. okay? Um, I asked Chris Letang after this game how he felt about uh, the, way, the way the team was setting itself up in, in the in the four on three overtime and I'm not sure I have that clip here um, I'll see if I can find it for you but basically he 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 was setting up so that the team they were all setting up so that, that they would come out in a box but that they drifted into a diamond formation that's how Latang ends up being in the middle between Sid and Gino and Jake's the only one down low well, right because then 
that ends up giving you one-timer options on both sides, and then you also have a net front presence, whereas you've kind of got a guy and, – and, and t- that's that's not all that uncommon. You'll see, see teams kind of do that free-flowing transformation right, right, right. After, after they set up or, or win a draw or whatever. So it, it wasn't all that out of the ordinary, but, like, it had to have happened for that play to develop. Exactly. Here's what Tanger had to say. Tanger, how do you end up at center point there? You guys came out in the box. You ended up in a diamond. Uh, it's, it's just the way we rotate. Um, you know, like Gino and, and Sid kind of has to move to, towards a one-timer, and we have three lefties, so um, you want to try to move them around, try to try to get the, the men open, so um, that's why we keep rotating. It's, it's fun when they explain it like that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's... it's because I was laughing here about how they called a timeout. You know they weren't talking strategy because they just don't. Just catch it a breeze. These guys, yeah, that's all. He, he even said so how, how twice. Many, how many four-on-three power play opportunities have, have Crosby, Malk, and Latang had together over their careers? It's been quite a few. The number has to be astronomical. It has to be. So no one has to wonder where anybody's going. You know, that, that's the part that's that, – that's look, I asked – the head coach after not the Philadelphia game, but the previous game, if he was considering a change to the power play, and he just looks at me and just goes, no, I'm not going to do that. Now he could have said any number of things, all things are on the table or whatever else right. here we need. He didn't. He just said, no, I'm not doing that. This is why, even if he's wrong, <laughs> this is why he thinks the way he does because he doesn't have to say a thing to them. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't agree that he doesn't have to say a thing to him. He like, thinks that. Well, he he might think that, and he probably does think that. But um, And they've talked a lot about they don't want to take the creativity out of their player's sticks. They don't want to take they, – they want these guys making those reads and using their high-end IQ. Mike Sullivan told me earlier the year, I think I had actually asked about the power play, and he's like, these guys process and read the game a heck of a, at a heck of a lot higher level than you or I could ever even hope to, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and that's part of the, the equation there. But I, I do think that kind of maybe a little bit ignores that they can get into little ruts where they do get oh, to yeah. pass happy. Yeah. They don't want to hunt pucks down. And I think that's where the coaching needs to come into play. Yeah, I also needs to be really made really, really clear here. The Rangers didn't defend that particularly well. No, uh, They are so used to the pack it in thing around their own net that on a four on three, they just basically became uh, like three curling sweepers. You know, I, I just think in a, a general sense, and it, it was kind of just an extension of that playoff series. I know the Penguins ended up losing the series, obviously, but the Penguins had their way with, oh, with the sure Rangers did. in terms of controlling possession and breaking down their coverage and creating chances. Through six for of those seven games, yep. Yeah, and I, I saw a lot more of the same tonight. I, I asked Crosby, Latang, and Mike Sullivan. I, I noticed early in the game that the Rangers were sending all three of their forwards like extremely deep into the right, right, right. zone. Uh, typically, even if you're sending two, your third four checker, your last four checker back, at least hangs back a little bit in between the circles or around the dots. But there was there were numerous occasions where I picked up on three Rangers four checkers that were all on the goal line. Mm-hmm. But what happened the second later on a change of possession, the Penguins are going the other way on a two on one. So I, I asked Crosby, Latang, Sullivan about that. I asked them, is that something that you guys can continue to look to take advantage of here moving forward. Uh, Latang said that the Rangers, they utilize, unlike many other teams, they utilize several different break or uh, forechecking systems. Mm-hmm. So that gives them a little bit of fits. But in those kinds of instances, it's all about just making those reads and, and as Sullivan loves to say, taking advantage of what the game gives you yeah. when it gives it to you. 
which they did pretty well for a couple periods. And then I think again, later on, uh, especially the top two lines, JR points out here that the Penguins haven't had five 20 full, 25 goal scores since the 2011, 2012 season uh, so close. And none of them are Crosby. Hey, you know, we keep reinforcing this point. The top of the depth chart is not the problem. If you or a, a friend or an acquaintance ever say to yourself, oh, the, they just kept the band together or, or echo whatever crap you hear on talk radio on this regard from people who don't even watch the sport, which is what most of talk radio is, I dare say, uh, then think again. Look at the stats. Look at the numbers. This top six are getting it done, and they're getting it done in a big way. Yeah, they are. And I I think the only inkling of merit that argument might have had earlier in the season was when Chris Letang was – he just wasn't himself. He came out of the gates with two of the best games I've he seen wasn't even shooting. in a long time. He wasn't even shooting. But then he went on, and the Penguins were getting heavily outscored, outchanced with him on the ice. He didn't look like himself, and obviously we know what – ended up happening after that but mm. lately i think his game has really turned a corner from what we saw during those early stages what's helped what's helped his game i'm not just talking about the past uh, couple uh, of games. okay i'm just saying but it, it's you know when you have him tied down to an anchor the way he was he he's spending all the game in his own zone because of brian dumoulin and now you know you have a different situation here uh clint novak asks how can the penguins harness what they're doing in the first 40 minutes of games and apply it to the last 20. I'm, I'm not going there. Not with this one. Um, I, I felt like the, the Rangers are good. Okay. And they were going to have a rush. They were going to have a flurry at some point. Uh, they did over the first few minutes of the third, and then they get a, they get a lousy goal that never should have happened. And that messes with your emotions. It messes with your, your aggressiveness. The crowd went like this, right? Like it really did too, and all. Even though Sullivan told us afterward, that he didn't think that the, the it affected the Penguins. They just kept. Come on, man. Okay, we we all felt it in here. Yeah, okay? that's a lousy way to have a game get tied. Yeah, I I struggle with this question just a little bit because it is hockey, and anybody involved with the sport at a high level will tell you, you just don't dominate a game for 60 minutes. You don't play exactly the way you want to play for 60 it's minutes. It's rare. It's rare. Now, that's not excusing the way the Penguins have performed with a lead in the third period this season, but I I, I don't know. I, I don't think it should be. Yeah, this was more of an ebb and flow than it was the right. Penguins letting up. Right. I, I didn't get the sense that they let up. There wasn't a first period against Columbus that happened here. Yeah, I, th I think it was way more about both teams being able to capture momentum at the right times than it was yeah. doing or not Hold doing your nose and things. give the Rangers some credit. There, How about that for some sound advice? Joyce is still mad. Joyce says, how do the refs miss calling? The blatantly late high hit by Trocek on Gino. Plus, it was retaliation. Um, actually, there was a whole sequence between the two of them. It was not just that. And it, well, it, it started with a Trocek hit on Malkin and then in the corner. No, Malkin, no. Malkin then followed, oh, then Gino him, followed the him and got and hit. Yeah, 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 you're right. It, it oh, the one at center ice yeah. when he leveled him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Gino said, I tough guy. Remember that line from him? And then he went after him and then Trocek went back at him. And then there's another one there at center ice. I, I have a theory here. This is going to sound over the top here. I think that between Jacob Truba and anybody else wearing a blue shirt, that because the league has never done a damn thing to any of these people, that referees, when they watch these games, think to themselves, oh, 
must have been clean. Must have been clean, you know, because especially with Truba, there's got to be their right arms have to be twitching like this every time he does something, but they don't follow through on it. Why? Because he's never, ever, ever getting suspended. Well, this, this might be going on a little bit of an unnecessary tangent here, but who's, who's running the Department of Player Safety? Right? Oh, that would be Washington PA's own George Peros. George Peros. Yep. What what's the name of, of George Peros's hockey brand or, or whatever it is? I'm afraid I don't know this. Make hockey violent again, oh, right? I, where I'm going with this is, and then you see Tim Peel, who's now a retired official, and the way he talks about um, certain controversial hits, and it's like these, Tim these Peel guys like being that. no stranger to controversy himself. <laughs> well, what I'm getting at here, apologies for my long-winded explanation, but I'm not convinced that the referees and and the people in charge of policing the game in mm -hmm. that manner are all that concerned about it right because why are we still in 2023 having this conversation so why are we still talking about this it's absolutely incredible here uh cj knows that the penguins are creeping up toward a third seed we'll see about that taylor uh she asked penguins are looking to peak at the right time this year unlike the last few years fingers crossed that jari is going to stay healthy actually taylor in was it two years ago? The Penguins really went into the playoffs on a on a peak. That like they were. Really, Defin it definitely wasn't last. It wasn't season. last year. No, no, no. The year before the COVID season. Yeah, uh, where they were just they were doing everything. No, post COVID. Well, yeah, but that no, that was the COVID season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the fifty three game, whatever. Right. The, okay. the, sh the shortened season. And you want to know why they were chugging along going into the postseason because Jeff Carter was still good. Jeff Carter was – he was bringing it. And they were just – everything about that team was clicking except for the fact that they had to run into the Islanders at the Coliseum who were out of their minds, meaning everybody in that building. An atmosphere I still – I still can't believe I experienced that. But I will say this, Taylor, to your point, uh, they're 7-1-1 and in their last nine games, and we are – all, including me and him, constantly complaining about this. It's still 7-1-1, one, and one, my man. Uh, I would say most of it is warranted because, one, they haven't done themselves many favors dating back to the beginning of the season, if, if you want to take it a step further, back to last offseason. Mm -hmm. um, and just looking at the general inconsistencies across the board that they've had this season, yes, we're sitting here and complaining, even though they've – gone seven one and one over this last little stretch but then you look at the teams they played and yes they need to take care of business and beat the bad teams right but you look at the teams they they've beaten over this stretch flyers blues sounds like tanger just scored again <laughs> but you and two of those games were against the lightning but the lightning were also mired in one of the worst stretches they've had since they've been competitive here over the past four or five years um, they still beat them well, I just said that yeah. you got to beat the teams you got to beat. But again, when you're sitting here saying, and "Oh, they're seven there, one and yeah. one," yes, that is the facts. But I, there's no question they can perform better. But seven one and one at this time of year is a welcome development, no matter what. Uh, JM says the Penguins' defensive zone coverage is improving and noticed an increase in block shots. It did today. It did today. Um, I'm not sure that we want to take that subject too much farther than that because they're not. I'm not expecting some <laughs> them to just turn a corner in that regard, but it was better. Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely an improvement here. Our last question for the day goes to Chris Stone, who says, "Would you rather have 67 on the on line one and 17 on line three, or keep it as it's been for the past two games?" I'm not messing with it. Are you? 
you like these lines. I like them. Except um, the fourth line. I, just... I, I, I really like Raquel up with Crosby, uh, but the, they even over that last little stretch when they were still together weren't really clicking it at the same effectiveness that they had um, in, in their first few showings together. Um, I, I would still be inclined to flip him and Rust and, and see what Rust would do down on that third line, but I, I think Raquel's a little bit more at this stage of, the, of their respective careers. I think Raquel is probably a little bit better of a fit to drive that line because instead of being the third wheel up yes. with the top guys, he's he's the driver he's, of that He's line. the guy who has to – He and I, I thought – that he made his presence felt in this game principally by getting the puck. He was all over uh, potential 50-50 or even 40-60 situations for possession. He got the puck and then made things happen for his line, and that is a really, really – that's a a hyper-valuable asset here. Um, I want to thank everybody for participating in this one here. Taylor says she likes DK's daily shots. <laughs> Great. I got to record those at some point tomorrow morning. Uh, thanks to everybody uh, for participating. We'll have another set of these on Tuesday night Tuesday. after the Montreal game. And then we're heading up to the garden for a couple of these games. This, uh, this is starting to get fun. You know, all of this.